Now, I just got to ask you some questions. Have you have you noticed at this time of year that life does get a little bit crazy? The pace of life gets increased a little bit. You got it? Okay. Um, with all of the parties and the the band concerts and the choir concerts and and all the different things that that we have to to go through, it, it just gets crazy. And the idea of silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Kind of seems too good to be true sometimes, doesn't it? And uh, maybe that's why someone wrote, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Because apparently reindeer are also in a great deal of hurry this time of year. And Grandma just happened to get in the way. When you go shopping, do you find that the employees are simply radiating with love and joy? Now, Daryl works at Walmart and he's saying Yes. At least in the jewelry department, because they're making good sales. Um, but, the, but most of them, they may be radiating, but it's just to blow off steam. It is not the, the joy of the season. I saw this on the news a while back, um, and it was caught on the, the video surveillance camera in a lady's clothing store. And uh, what happens is the, the customer grabs the, the employee, throws her to the ground, begins hitting her and kicking her, and this is all caught on tape. So the reporter goes up to her and interviews her and says, why did you pull her to the ground and kick her? And she said, well, when I asked her for a dress size, she rolled her eyes at me. And the reporter said, she rolled her eyes and so you beat her up? She goes, yep. Tis the season to be jolly and to beat up anybody who rolls their eyes at you. I just I don't know about your experience, but but let me just ask you this. When you go to the stores and you're doing your shopping Is everyone in front of you in line just so gracious to say, oh, you go ahead of me. Have my place in line. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Is that your experience? No. Aren't people um, just kind of wacko at this time of year? I mean, did you see any of the stuff that was going on with um, back the day after Thanksgiving? Did you see any of the video footage like the guys getting into a fist fight and one poor lady got trampled on as soon as they opened the doors, you know, at 5 a.m. or whatever. She literally is trampled on. She's on the floor and they're, they're seeing this on the video camera. They had to call the ambulance. They had to come get her and they're taking her out. Not only did she not get, you know, what she wanted, but she had to go to the hospital that day. That's a good. They call that Black Friday because supposedly that puts the retailers in in the black, you know, for the year. And, and this lady was black and blue all over because she was hurt. Now, do y'all remember Furby dolls? You remember the Furby dolls? There was a craze. This year, the craze was the Xbox 360. Did you see some of those lines? I mean, miles and miles of people. I looked on eBay the other day just for kicks to see what it's like. 300 bucks, 399 or something. If you get it retail, there were some for $1,200 guaranteed delivery by Christmas time on eBay. And I'm going, that's nuts. Was several years ago that happened with the Furby doll. I did a, I did some research on it, and the Furby doll was going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And so, one of our southern states, true to our southern heritage, they had a competition. They had a a, a little deal that they put on, and uh, it was it was for ladies only. Actually, I use that term loosely. It was for the female sex because what they did was they put up a boxing ring, and as many Females as wanted to could get in the boxing ring. No rules. Last person standing got the Furby doll. And let me tell you, that woman was some specimen right there. I mean, she's what you want to bring home to mama on Christmas Eve. Uh, But she got a Furby doll for, for her child. We just kind of go crazy this time of year. And I want you to think about our mindset at this time of year as you watch this video. Thank <laughs> you. 
prices on electronics, furniture, and more. What more could you want? Once a year, every December, and brings lots of toys to Chicago kids. These were really hot boots, so I checked it out. She wasn't kidding. These were really hot boots. Aren't you glad you live in America? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Your brand name. Merry Christmas. New store design. Hill of Beauty. He stirs. There's nothing more fitting anything more fitting than a great gift for anyone, including you. Feel like a whole new you. A great gift for the holidays and nowadays with these stories. We forget the reason, don't we? And you know, a lot of people talk about Jesus is the reason for the season, but that's not totally accurate. You are the reason for the season. The reason Jesus came is because He loved you enough to give up the glory of heaven so that He might show you how to get to heaven. So remember that people are the reason for the season. Jesus thought we were so valuable that He gave up His life. And, you know, I heard a story about a dad who um, who was always bringing home his briefcase from work. Every day he'd come home, he'd bring his briefcase, and he'd have just piles of stuff in his briefcase. And his son, young son, kept watching this. And uh, so one day he just asked him, he says, Daddy, how come you always bring your briefcase home with you from work? And he says, well, son, that's because I can't get all of my work done at work, so I have to bring it home at night. And the son thought for a minute, and he goes, Dad... Couldn't they maybe just put you in a slower group? Well, I want us to get in a slower group today. And I want us to consider the real meaning of Christmas. And I want you to think about this, uh, this whole myth idea of he who dies with the most toys wins. And I want to look at a, at a story that Jesus told. And you have it on your listening guide. If, if you don't uh, want to watch that, you can look up here on the screen. It's from Luke chapter 12. It says this, and Jesus told this story. There was a rich man who had some land, which grew a good crop. He thought to himself, what will I do? I have no place to keep all my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and other goods. Then I can say to myself, I have enough good things stored to last for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and enjoy life. Or another translation says, eat, drink, and be merry. But God had said to him, foolish man, or you fool, tonight your life will be taken from you. So who will get those things you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves and are not rich toward God. Now, I've got some games up here, and I don't know if you all have played these games. More than likely you have. But um, I've got Monopoly. I haven't played it that many times, but, you know, the times I have played is fun. First time I ever played, I was like, you know, just out of college, and we were a bunch of teenagers and single folks were together, and we, it was Fourth of July, and I remember playing this game. And the first time I ever played, I mean, it was just like this natural thing that, that I won the game, and I thought, dude, this is cool to get all of the stuff and, and watch everybody else just quit and disgust. I like this game. True to my spiritual nature as a minister, you know. Anyway, you know how that game goes. It was a lot of fun. Have y'all ever played Taboo? Taboo, that's a lot of fun because there's certain words that, 
that you can't say. And, you know, we always played the guys against the girls and and uh, it was a lot of fun. But you better know words like equine and bovine and stuff like that, because taboo, there's certain things like cow or, you know, anything that would describe a cow, milking a cow, those types of things. It's taboo. You can't do those. But it's a fun game to play. And then Scrabble. Anybody play Scrabble? This is a cool one. This is, you know, a little travel edition thing. So everything's right in here and then you can fold it out. And, and this, by the way, Jennifer, where are you? Jennifer, you get to choose one of these games. Which one do you want? Not Scrabble. <laughs> okay, Taboo or Monopoly? Taboo. You would like Taboo. If you, if, I don't know if you've played it, but you're the type. You, you'd enjoy that. It is a lot of fun. Maybe we'll have to do that. We'll have a, we'll have a re- recovery party sometime and we'll play Taboo. Now, I have one other game here, and it's called The Game of Life. Now, this one I'm not giving away because you can see it is well-worn. And this used to be one of my favorite games when I was younger. And it, it is my children's favorite game now. And in the game of life, you know, you see, you see dad here, and this is, this is as it should be. Dad is here guarding all of the money. You know, he gets to pass the money out, and that is as it should be. And then you got mom and the kids. And, and what you do, there's, there's all kinds of different things on the board. Some of the actual spaces that you have to cross during the game are get married, uh, job search, buy a house, you're fired, start a new career, have a baby, furnish the baby's room. By the way, on here it costs $5,000 to furnish the baby's room. Visit Mount Rushmore, uh, send the kids to college, pay taxes, have a midlife crisis, win a TV game show, on and on and on it goes. And it's supposed to mimic stuff that happens in life. So you get this game out and you pretend you have a life. That's, that's the whole fun of the game. And uh, you get a little car. And you put, I don't, y'all probably can't see that. You get a little car and you put your person in the car. So if you're male or female, you get that and you, then you go around and, you know, when you get married, then you put your spouse in the car and you have to name them, you know, stuff like that. And, and when you have children, you gotta put more little kids in the car and you get a bigger car, that type of thing. It's a lot of fun. My kids enjoy this. Now we don't follow all of the rules because it takes too stinking long, you know, quite honestly. When Caleb was little, we didn't follow any of the rules. We just spun the thing and raced around the field. You know, it was like 10 minutes. Like, yeah, put it back up because we'd have a good time with that. But now my kids are a little bit more sophisticated. And there's a couple of things that we follow. You have to get married. You have to have children, those types of things. But when we pass payday, my kids don't ask for their money. They demand their money. Give me my money, Dad. You know, and so I'm dealing out the money. And then there's these little things. We call them, I don't know if they're chips or cards. It's these little life card things. Um, if you land on one of these spaces, you've hit the jackpot because, you know, it has a little game of life thing on there. And these range anywhere from $50,000 to $250,000. And it's really cool. And you collect these. Now, the way we do it is you speed around. And it's cool to be the first one to end, but that's not the real champion. The real champion is the one who has the most money at the end of the game. So it doesn't matter when you finish. It's having your stack of chips and all of the money you added up. And my kids will add it up. You know, we'll have anywhere from 500000 to $1.5 million. And if you got the most money, you win. And it sounds a lot like our society. We race around in our lives trying to accumulate the most stuff. And, you know, the bumper sticker says that he who dies with the most toys wins. If it's a bumper sticker, it must be true, right? Because the honest truth is always on bumper stickers. And, you know, if you think about it logically, because we, there really is kind of some scientific stuff to this whole Santa Claus myth buster thing. I mean, he, in order to make it around the world, you know, even having 30 hours traveling from east to west, you know, with time zone changes and all of that stuff... 
he would have to be moving 3,000 times the speed of sound. Now, you take his height and his weight, even if, you know, he's a slim Santa, and you add the reindeer. There are 30,000 species of animals in the world. No one's ever seen a flying reindeer yet. But just supposing there is one, if you add all of that stuff up, he's got to be moving so fast that he really would. I mean, that's why we did the explosion at the end of the thing. He would spontaneously combust. So... If he who dies with the most toys wins, then Santa wins. Because when he dies, you know, when he blows up in the air, he's got the most toys, right? But you're still dead. And that's kind of a depressing thing. Now, after we've played the game, after we've finished, there's one common thing. All of these games have this in common. When you're finished, what happens? This is the first thing on your list and guide. It all goes back in the box. It all goes back in the box. This is a very, very important part of the game. When you put the game back in the box, it means that what you just did was pretend. It wasn't real. The money, the cars, the houses, they were just pretend. We make sure that all of the pieces get back in the box because it's no fun to play if you don't have all the pieces next time. And, and all of these, these games have this in common. So when you play the game, any game, when you get to the end, and it will always come to the end, it all goes back in the box. So what does that have to do with us? Well, if you think about it, our lives are kind of like that, too, because everything seems to go back in the box. Teenagers, when you clean your room or if you clean your room, do you ever get a box and just kind of throw stuff in it? At my house, I stack things. You know, I'm, I'm sanitary, but I'm a stacker, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't stack trash and stuff like that. I stack papers and books and stuff and, you know, boxes and, and baskets just appear at my house all the time. Janie will never throw anything away that's mine, but she'll, it'll be in a box or it'll be in a basket somewhere. She has these cute little baskets. I have them all over my room, next to my chair, everything. I've got these little baskets. Um, but it seems like everything goes back in a box. What do you do when you have a garage sale? You put all of your junk in a box and you hope somebody else will buy it, right? When you move, I read one time, the average person in America will move 14 times. Whenever you move, whether it's to another city or it's just across town, what are you looking for? What is the number one thing you are in search for? Boxes. You become frenetic trying to get enough boxes because you've got to have enough boxes to put all your stuff in it. Eventually, everything we have goes in a box, even if it goes up in the attic, in our attic. What we, we never throw anything out of our attic. What we do is we put more plywood down so that you can get further and you can stack more boxes up. We are such a nation of boxes that now Rubbermaid and other places make permanent boxes. We have a store, a chain of stores called the Container Store that has nothing but boxes in it. My wife loves that store. It drives me nuts. We just love boxes and everything we have goes back in the box. And I just got to tell you this. Your body will also someday be placed in a box. I mean, I don't want to be depressing or anything, but I just want to prepare you for the end. <laughs> I, was at a, I was at a funeral yesterday. It was a nice box. Jerry Seinfeld once said that, that, that caskets are like the ultimate box that you find, you know, and you know, then you have to put yourself in it. It's the best box of your life. But eventually, even our bodies will go in a box. And uh, what do people say when, when you're at your funeral? They'll probably say good things. I've been to many funerals. I've done many funerals. And I've, I've yet to be at a funeral where they say bad things about the dead person. They say good things about him. And if you think about the guy in Jesus' story, I'm sure at his funeral, when his family put him in the box, I'm sure they said great things, things he would have loved to have heard. 
Things like, oh, he was a great leader. He was a pillar of the community. Business savvy. Oh, man, this guy was great. He could do all of those kinds of things. They probably put something nice on his tombstone because we usually do that. But later that night, when all of the, the visitors had gone, the angel of God came down and he drifted through the cemetery until he came over this man's grave. And he began to write something in the freshly packed grave. And he wrote, fool. Now, Jesus in the story, Jesus is not calling the guy names. He's making an accurate description of the man's life. He lived a foolish life. He prepared for everything except his own death. And since the statistics are one out of every one dies, he was foolish. And I don't want you to be foolish this year. Now, the story um, I'm going to share with you in a minute is true, but I just want you to think about this. You don't even have to believe in the Bible. You don't have to believe in Jesus to see this around us, right? Uh, people are looking for more money, more sex, more power, more drugs, whatever it is. More, more, more. That's our society. That was this video. You see it all the time at Christmas time. More, more. You need more. Even a veggie tales. You need more toys. That's one of my favorite veggie tales, by the way. You need more toys. And that's not the true meaning of Christmas. Um, so. We think this isn't going to happen to us, but then we start accumulating things. And then what happens? Somebody misses a stop sign. And a teenager goes back in the box. Someone hears those terrible words. This was the lady that that um, uh, I went to her funeral yesterday. She hears those terrible words. It's cancer. This was just a few months ago. It's cancer. A few months later, she's gone and, and her life goes back in a box. Uh, I was visiting Bridget Turner, who's one of our church members. She calls last night. Her, her mom is in the hospital and, and there's nothing they can do. I called this morning. She's, she's still alive. And she was able to respond a little bit and tell the girls that, that she loves them. But one of the things Bridget said last night, she said, I knew this day was going to come, but her mom's 51 years old. She said, I didn't think it was going to be so soon. It always catches us off guard. And, um, you know, when Jesus told the story, he was talking to people who understood farming illustrations. But if Jesus were to tell the story today, he just might tell it like this. This is a true story. Jenny was so happy about the house they had found for once in her life was on the right side of town. She unpacked her things with such great ease as she watched her new curtains blow in the breeze. How wonderful it was to have her own room. School would be starting. She'd have friends over soon. There'd be sleepovers and parties. She was so happy. It's just the way she wanted her life to be. On the first day of school, everything went great. She made new friends and even got a date. She thought, I want to be popular and I'm going to be because I just got a date with the star of the team. To be known in this school, you had to have clout and dating this guy would sure help her out. There was only one problem stopping her fate. Her parents said she was too young to date. Well, I just won't tell them the entire truth. They won't know the difference. What's there to lose? Jenny asked to stay with her friends that night. Her, parent, her parents frowned but said, all right. Excited, she got ready for the big event. But as she rushed around like she had no sense, she began to feel guilty about all the lies. But what's a pizza, a party and a moonlight ride? Well, the pizza was good and the party was great, but the moonlight ride would just have to wait for Jeff was half drunk by this time. But he kissed her and said that he was just fine. Then the room filled with smoke and Jeff took a puff. Jenny couldn't believe he was smoking that stuff. Now, Jeff was ready to ride to the point, but only after he'd smoked another joint. They jumped in the car for the moonlight ride, not thinking he was too drunk to drive. 
They finally made it to the point at last, and Jeff started making a pass. A pass is not what Jenny had wanted at all, and by pass, I don't mean playing football. Perhaps my parents were right. Maybe I am too young, but boy, how could I ever be so dumb? With all of her might, she pushed Jeff away. Please take me home. I don't want to stay. Jeff cranked up the engine and floored the gas. In a matter of seconds, they were going too fast. As Jeff drove on in a fit of wild anger, Jenny knew that her life was in danger. She begged and pleaded for him to slow down, but he just got faster as they neared the town. Just let me get home. I'll confess that I lied. I really went out for a moonlight ride. Then all of a sudden, she saw a big flash. Oh, God, please help us. We're going to crash. She doesn't remember the force of impact, just that everything all of a sudden went black. She felt someone remove her from the twisted rubble and heard, call an ambulance. These kids are in trouble. Voices she heard, a few words at best, but she knew there were two cars involved in the wreck. Then wondered to herself if Jeff was all right and if the people in the other car were alive. She awoke in the hospital to faces so sad. You've been in a wreck and it looks pretty bad. These voices echoed inside her head as they gently told her that Jeff was dead. Then, then said, Jenny, we've done all we can do, but it looks as if we'll lose you too. But the people in the other car, Jenny cried. We're sorry, Jenny. They also died. Jenny prayed, God, forgive me for what I've done. I only wanted to have just one night of fun. Tell those people's family I've made their lives dim and wish I could return their families to them. Tell mom and dad I'm sorry I lied and that it's my fault so many have died. Oh, nurse, won't you please tell them that for me? The nurse stood there. She never agreed, but took Jenny's hands with tears in her eyes. And a few minutes later, Jenny died. A man asked the nurse, why didn't you do your best to bid that girl her one last request? She looked at the man with eyes oh so sad because the people in the other car were her mom and dad. This story is sad and unpleasant, but true. So folks, take heed. It could have been you. Jenny only wanted to have a little fun, but that's not the last memory she had on this earth. It was fun. It was the fact that so many had died. I know you don't think it can happen to you. But I've never done a funeral of somebody who thought that was going to be their last night. So here's the next point that I want you to get. Physical life is temporary. All right, I know that's simple. But it seems like the only time we think about the end of life is when we're at somebody's funeral. And if one out of every one person dies, then it seems like we ought to make some preparation for what's going to happen on the other side of death. This life is preparation for the next. Life on earth is just the dress rehearsal for the real production. You will spend far more time on the other side of death than you do on this side because God made you to last forever. One day your heart will stop beating and that will be the end of your body and your time on earth, but it will not be the end of you. Your earthly body is a temporary residence for your spirit. The Bible calls your earthly body a tent. And every time we think of a tent, we think of a temporary structure. But the Bible says that in heaven, God is preparing a house for us, a permanent residence. Second Corinthians five one says, well, we know that when this tent we live in, our body here on earth is torn down. God will have a house in heaven for us to live in a home. He himself has made, which will last forever. No one wants to live in a tent forever. No one wants to even live in, in uh, some of the the uh, travel trailers that FEMA has down in. New Orleans, I was talking to a man last night that he finally got a FEMA trailer and he's grateful for the FEMA trailer, but that's not where he wants to live forever. He wants to have his house prepared. Wouldn't you rather have a house prepared especially for you by God in heaven? That's the promise in the Bible. And so that brings me to the third point. Spiritual life is permanent. Physical life is temporary. Spiritual life is permanent. 
Death is not your termination. According to the Bible, it's your transition into eternity. The fact that earth is not our ultimate home explains why followers of Jesus experience difficulty and sorrow and sadness and rejection in this world. It also helps explain why some prayers seem to go unanswered and many circumstances seem so unfair. We're not completely happy here on earth because we were never meant to be happy here on earth. God allows us to feel a significant amount of hurt and dissatisfaction in life because he doesn't want us to become too attached to this life. This is not all there is. Earth is not our final home. At death, you won't leave home. You'll go home. And when that time comes at the end of your life, you'll face a final exam. And fortunately, God wants you to pass this final exam. So he's given us the two questions in advance. And I want to share those with you today. First question that you'll be asked when you die, when you stand before God. Here's the first question. What did you do with my son? What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? God won't ask about your religious beliefs. He won't ask what denomination that you were a part of. That's not what matters to him. The only thing that matters is, did you accept Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross on your behalf? Did you learn to trust him? Did you give your life to him? Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth and the life. The only way to the father is through me. I want you to circle those words on your listening guide. The only way. Does that leave any room for other ways? The only way, Jesus said to the father is through me. And so you've got a choice to make with Jesus. There's only three options, really. Either Jesus knowingly lied and misled people. Okay, that's one option. He knowingly lied, knew he wasn't God's son, knew he wasn't the only way, and he just bold-faced lied to people. Or second option, he's nuts and belongs in an asylum because he doesn't know that he's not God's son. He really thinks he is, but everybody else knows he's not. So he's either, he's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or the third option is he's Lord. He's, that's who he says he is. What he says is true. Either he's lying to you, he's crazy, or he's telling the truth. Those are your three options. And since you can go to his grave, the only religious leader in the world, you can go to his grave and find an empty grave. Everyone else, every other religious belief system, you go to visit bones in the grave, the bones of the person who started that religious belief system. But in Christianity, you go to, you go to an empty grave. And, and critics of Christianity have been trying for 2,000 years to discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they cannot do it. And so if I'm going to base my beliefs on what happens on the other side, I had this conversation at midnight last night. If I'm going to base my beliefs on what happens on the other side of death on anyone, I'm going to choose the guy that's no longer dead. I'm not going to follow a dead guy. I want the guy who's been dead, overcame death, has power, and he says, this is the way you get to heaven. I am that way. I'm going to believe him, not somebody who's still laying in a grave. And so Jesus is, God's going to ask you, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? That's the only way that you're going to get into heaven. The second question is this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your life? All the gifts, the talents, the time, the treasures, the opportunities, the energy, the relationships, the resources. Did you spend those on yourself or did you use them for the purposes God made you for? You know, one of the reasons we do the angel tree, and you may see a bunch of presents back there in the corner. We adopted 75 um, kindergarten students this year. Each year we adopt a few more because we want to make sure that we're a giving church, not just a taking church. 
We don't ever want to focus on ourselves. We want to focus on giving to others. We want to make sure... Next year sometime we're going to be doing some, some different studies about things in, in different parts of the world. Janie and I got a, uh, a World Vision catalog this year. And it really struck us hard because in this World Vision catalog it had gifts that people around the world wanted. Such things as ten chickens. You could buy ten chickens for like 30 bucks. And then those 10 chickens become more and more and it provides eggs and, you know, then they can sell them and they can make money. You can buy a donkey. I think the donkey was like a thousand bucks. I don't remember what it was. You can buy a well for somebody and the well was like, you know, $50,000, but you could buy a chunk of a well and several people together. But we just started looking through this and we went, no way. Because we're rich compared to everybody else in the world. I, I don't care if you don't have a dime to your name right now. We're about to have lunch and everybody's invited. We got plenty of food. If you got something to eat today, you're rich compared to the rest of the world. So God's going to say, what'd you do with the stuff that I gave you? Second question, what'd you do with everything I gave you? Did you spend them on yourself? Did you give them to somebody else? The first question determines where you spend eternity. You do not get into heaven without a relationship with Jesus Christ. He just said it. I'm the only way. The second question determines what you do in eternity. Um, The Bible Makes this real plain. You see, the difference between Christianity and every other religion is this. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. You do all this set of rules and regulations, and if you do them well enough, then we're going to say that you're okay. And, you know, it's like that scale. If you, if you do more good things than bad things, then, you know, if, that, if your good things outweigh the bad things, then you get to go to heaven. That's religion. Christianity is when God reaches down to man. Again, the only belief system where this exists, where God says humans cannot get to me on their own. I must do something. Turns to his son, Jesus, and he says, would you go become a human and show them the way back to heaven? You know, when we try our efforts, the Bible says all of our efforts fall short. Romans six twenty three. They fall far short and we deserve death and hell. But God says, no, I've got a better way. And it's called Christmas. So I hope you, you understand that Christmas is not about how many toys you can have, about all of the different things that you can accumulate. The meaning of Christmas is that God sent His Son who lived and taught and died for the forgiveness of our sins and was resurrected to be the one gift that will last forever. Because there is one thing that will not go back in the box, and that's your soul. Your soul was designed to live forever. I want you to take your uh, registration card. You've got a registration card there. 